morning. And indeed, it is a, a privilege and a blessing, as Pastor Doug has already said. What, what a privilege we have to come to worship the great name of Jesus, the one who was slain for us, the one that we have gained freedom. And we just praise God for the opportunity as the redeemed saint of the Lord to come into this place, to come into his house, and to give him worthy praise that he deserves and so desperately has asked us to give to him. Great is the God that we serve. And so good, good morning again. It's good to see you all. And as Doug has mentioned to us, I know that there is a groan going out. And as, the, as the, the new school year gets ready to crank up for some of us this week out here. And then for everyone next week, I heard a, a hearty amen to that. So for the last three Sundays in the month of July, we have focused on the theme, the believer's freedom, as presented in Romans chapter 8. The believer's freedom as presented in Romans chapter 8. And this morning, I have the special privilege of bringing this series to a close as we look at verses 39, 31 through 39 of Romans chapter 8. That's found on page 944 for the, in the pew uh, Bibles that are in the pews there. And you know, as I, as I look at verses 31 through 39, I must remind you that we're going to have to go back and look at the entire chapter of Romans chapter 8. Now, now, don't get upset with me about that because each of the preachers that have come before me have done just that. They, they couldn't stay inside of their assigned text. The, the, the text is so powerful that you just have to go out and look at what the Lord has said. But as we put these verses together, and as we come to this, the final verses of that chapter, uh, I'm also going to ask that you take a look and bookmark John 10, John chapter 10. We're going to look at that briefly as well. So for those of you that are able and can stand as we continue to praise our God, we're going to ask you to do that. Please stand with me as I read through verses 31 through 39 of Romans chapter 8. The great apostle Paul writes, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will we not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies? Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Verse 35, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death 
nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. Hey, give us a hearty amen to that. Amen. amen. You may be seated. Now look, these verses just drip with spiritual truths that are the source of great encouragement for all who call the Lord Jesus Lord and Savior. But before highlighting a few points from verses 31 to 39, let me just take a quick moment and review what has already been presented to us. Pastor Joe Capel preached the first sermon from this series, which covers verses 1 through 13. Joe's topic was freedom in the fight. And he masterfully had laid the foundation for the remaining messages that have been presented to us in this series. If you recall, Joe noted that many believers think that Romans 8 is the greatest chapter in the Bible. And I certainly think that claim has some merit as you look at the grand declaration that's presented in those 39 verses. And not necessarily to be brought into that debate, but, but when I see Romans chapter 8, it always takes me back to my favorite verse in the Bible, Romans 5 and 8, which says, but God shows his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 8 just continues to build off of that legacy of Romans 5. Job proclaimed that I, Jesus, have been sent to liberate you. You have now been declared free. And as we fight throughout our lives against the defeated enemies, we do so as freed people. Pastor Chris Reed preached from verses 14 through 17 on the topic of from slaves to sons, from slaves to sons. Chris reminded us all that, that we are God's children, both male and female, and as such, we are heirs to the promises of God through Christ Jesus. Chris shared that one of the great sources of assurance all believers have is that the Holy Spirit gives testimony to our spirit that we are indeed children of God. Chris shared, and I quote, God sent Jesus to do what we could not do. This is the message of the gospel. Last Sunday, we were blessed to have Jake Bishop preach from verses 18 through 30. And as Pastor uh, Doug has already mentioned, Jake is working on his Master's of Divinity degree at Southern University, at Southern Seminary, I'm sorry. So it was a special blessing to have him home to share God's Word with us. Jake spoke passionately on this topic of a glorious hope. Jake proclaimed boldly, and I quote that, Christians that suffering of your life is not worth comparing to the glory that one day will be revealed to you. Jake reminded us that we must hold on 
to the very end because God indeed is working through all the circumstances of our lives for our good. Now please keep those thoughts in mind as we work through Romans 8 verses 31 through 39. Let me recall for you again verse 31. Uh, verse 31 is going to set the foundation for what I would like to share with you this morning. Because it reads again, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now those are provocative words. They're provocative words and they're words that lead me to ask you a question this morning. And here's the question. What is your response to freedom? What is your response to freedom? Now, Paul will go on to give us ample uh, uh, substance to base our response on. And I think it is incumbent upon each and every believer here today to stand ready with a heartfelt, personal response to the declaration of freedom that is presented in Romans chapter 8. Now, I think you, you all would probably understand that for me, one of the most intriguing periods in our great nation's history is the United States Civil War. Now, there is much debate about what precipitated the war, but I think that no one is able to argue the fact that after over 200 years of immoral human bondage, the African slaves in this country were declared free. Now, over those 200 years, beginning in 1619, when 19 slaves were brought to this land at the English settlement of Jamestown, Virginia, the number of slaves had grown to well over 4 million men, women, and children in the United States of America. After the devastating Civil War was over and the 13th Amendment was ratified on December 6, 1865, it became the law of the land that the government of this country would no longer sanction involuntary human servitude. The slaves were now finally free. But something very interesting happened. For many of those who were once enslaved and stripped of their ability to self-determine. Many of the former slaves in the South, upon learning of their free status, didn't know what to do. They, they didn't understand what it meant to be free. They were simply not prepared to take action upon what for many of them was beyond their imagination. Now that it was handed to them, they, they simply did not know what to do. Simply put, freedom was an alien concept. Uh, the fact of the matter is, for many reasons, a large number of the slaves made the decision to remain on the plantation where they were once enslaved. In fact, many historians will argue that that happened to the majority of the freed slaves. After hundreds of years of enslavement, being in bondage was all that they knew. 
It was hard for them to accept that by a simple declaration, even though it had been paid for by blood, that they were truly free. <laughs> Many thought someone was pulling an ugly trick on them. And, and you know, I know that that's a hard concept for many of us to understand. It's hard for me to understand as well. Give me my freedom, I'll get the quickest horse out of Dodge I could find. But that was the case. There was a lack of comprehension on their part. So many of the freed slaves were just not prepared to accept the freedom that had just been handed to them. They could not believe that a government which previously had deferred to the states under the concept of individual rights, that it was okay, it was legal and moral and acceptable to own another human being as a piece of property. And no matter that treating people as property went against a key natural law principle that was written clearly into one of the greatest documents ever composed by mankind. The declaration of our great country, which declared, and I quote, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This bold statement flows right out of the biblical teaching that all men are created in the image of God. You know, just as a sidebar, I, I truly believe that even for people who don't believe in the God of the Bible, that utilizing godly principles found only in the Bible to develop public policy is the best way to govern humanity. When God, what God says is true, let every man be alive. And when God says to love thy neighbor as thyself, there's no better principle that we could all live by. You know, sadly, I think that the inability of the newly freed African slaves to grasp the reality of their new state of freedom provides some interesting insight into the issue Paul was dealing with in Romans chapter 8. We simply can't accept the fact that we are all people who come from over thousands of years of slavery to sin. But as born-again believers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have now been declared free from that enslavement. Somebody ought to say amen. Instead of accepting and acting upon the freedom that we have in Christ, we end up struggling to leave what I call the plantation of sin. As a result, we remain lurking around in the shadow of doubt concerning the great freedom that Christ has purchased for us with his own blood. So for people who remain stuck on the plantation of sin, freedom must seem like a pipe dream. How can a holy God declare 
that redeemed sinners are now free and no longer under condemnation. After all, the struggle with sin is a struggle for all believers. That's why Paul wrote earlier in Romans chapter 7, verse 21, he says, so I find to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Well, the great apostle did not leave that question unanswered for very long. Because in the very next verse, Romans 7, 29, he says, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Beloved of the Lord, we are now free from the bondage of sin because of the declaration God has made through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the declaration of Christ that declares once and for all that freedom from the bondage of sin is no pipe dream. Amen. And as we walk through Romans 8, each of us should be ready to respond triumphantly to the question Paul raises in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? What is your response to freedom? Are you going to be stuck on the plantation of sin, held in bondage, lurking around in the darkness? Are you going to be free men and women to move forward in the power and in the might of our Lord Jesus Christ and declare you are free people? Well, there are three things that I, I want to give to you this morning that may help as we struggle to understand and to act upon the freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the proper response to freedom? Well, first of all, understand that freedom depends solely on God. Freedom depends solely on God. What are the great theological constructs that has been recaptured by the Protestant Reformation is the teaching concerning the eternal security of the believer. Now, you probably have heard this concept put in many different ways. Once saved, always saved. Preservation of the saints. Well, I like the term eternal security. I think that term best summarizes the biblical teaching about the guarantee that each of us would have as born-again believers in Christ, as the redeemed of the Lord, to make it from earth to heaven. Uh, this concept addresses the question, once a person is saved, can he or she lose their salvation? Now, there certainly is a great debate within the faith by truly believing Christians concerning this doctrine. 
I certainly would not be so bold as to think that I would be the person to once and for all put forth the defining argument that would bring the debate to a close. However, I will take the position that I believe Scripture is not silent on this topic. After studying the teachings of the Lord Jesus himself and then amplified throughout the New Testament, especially in these closing verses of Romans 8, which we will get to in a second, I think the position of once saved, always saved is the only reasonable conclusion to hold. The key element that drives belief in eternal security for me is the fact that it depends solely on the actions of God. In other words, my eternal security does not depend on me. Pastor Chris last week again said that God has done for us what the believer is unable to do for themselves. Just like we can't save ourselves, we can't keep ourselves secure in our relationship with God. But God can, and he has proclaimed that he will. That's why I asked you to take a look at John chapter 10, in particular verses 27 through 30. Listen to what Jesus himself proclaims. Jesus says in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. The Father is greater than them all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Look, there's, there's a lot packed into those verses. But, but listen to the declaration from the Lord himself about why believers are eternally secured. What did Jesus say? He said, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep follow me. They leave the plantation of sin. I give eternity, eternal life. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Could anything be clearer? No one will snatch them out of his hand. And you see, that's what uh, and why the Apostle Paul is, is able to uh, ask the second question of Romans 8.31. Uh, if God is for us, who can be against us? Now, maybe you know someone who's bigger and stronger and badder than God, but I don't. We should all take great comfort to know that the Lord God Almighty is on our side. That's why Paul writes in Romans 8, 1, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are no longer under condemnation because of what Jesus Christ has done. He whom the Lord has set free is free indeed, and this freedom was achieved only because of what God has done. He sent Jesus to save us. So that brings me to the second point that I want to share with you this morning. What is your response to freedom? Uh, we must understand that each member of the triune Godhead is involved 
and securing our freedom. Again, John 10, Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the, my Father's hand. And, and Jesus goes on to say, and I love verse 30, he says, I and the Father are one. Jesus closes out with the profound truth that he and the Father are one. Both are God. God the Father is God, God the Son is God, and God the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Trinity is at work to provide freedom for the believer. That's one of the profound truths that's also presented in Romans 8. Each member of the Godhead is at work in this chapter to perform a unique work in securing our foundation, our foundation of freedom. The interplay between the members of the triune God is presented right at the beginning of Romans 8. Uh, look back again at Romans 8.1. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God the Son, Christ Jesus, is at work in securing our, found, our freedom because we are in Christ Jesus. Look at verse number 3. For God has done what the law, God the Father, what has God the Father done? Even though the law, weakened by the flesh, it could not do, but by, by sinning God's own Son, His own Son, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemns sin in the flesh. There's both God the Father and God the Son in that verse. God sent, Jesus did. Then look at verse number four. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, may be past tense, be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. It is Christ Jesus that we have our no condemnation status. By walking according to the Spirit, we have been set free in Christ Jesus. It was God who sent his only son to do what we could not do. You know, I especially love the work of the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 8 and, and throughout all of Scripture. Uh, look again at, at some of the things that uh, the Spirit is, is doing in Romans uh, chapter 8. The Spirit helps us to walk in the freedom of the law of God that is now written in our hearts. You know, sometimes I just look at myself and I just have to shake my head. How in the world could someone who acts as poorly as I do sometimes expect to make it into the kingdom of heaven? When, when I think the things I think, which leads me to doing the things I do, I just have to admit to myself, I don't see how God loves me. But he does. And that's why the work of the Spirit in Romans 8.16 is so vital for redeemed sinners. Verse 16 says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Oh, beloved, isn't that good news to know this morning? That we are children of God, not because we dream it 
or think about it, but because the Spirit tells us. He tells our spirits that we are God's children. That, that's one of the greatest passages of Scripture, I think, in the entire Bible. I don't have to depend on my feeble, vacillating, on again, off again, up and down, in and out, can't decide for my own spirit that I'm a born-again child of God. God does for me what I'm unable to do for myself. He bears witness with my soul that I belong to him. Do you want that kind of freedom? Well, if you don't already have that kind of freedom, you can have it right now. Jesus is still in the business of drawing lost sinners to himself. He stands and knocks at the door, and all you have to do is believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and you too shall be saved. We always stand ready right here at West Park to discuss this further with you. Uh, after the service today, uh, if you need to find me or one of the other pastors or leaders of our church, or, or better yet, how about the person that's right next to you that knows the Lord? They will be happy to talk with you about what it means to, to join in the freedom that you can only have in Christ Jesus. If God is speaking to you today, don't delay. Today is the day of salvation. And all that I've shared with you can be yours as you yield to the Holy Spirit who's knocking on the door of your heart. Well, let me hurry on. Let me, let me highlight the last point uh, that I think a believer should have in your response to freedom. What should be our response to freedom? Uh, we must understand that we ought to celebrate and rejoice over our freedom. In just a moment, we will conclude our worship time this morning through the celebration of the Lord's Supper. And you know, I just can't think of a more fitting time to reflect upon the freedom that is ours other than considering the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Paul writes in Romans 8, 3, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. True freedom doesn't exist because the government declares it so. True freedom can never be ours if it depends on our ability to declare it so. The sad reality is that whatever man gives, man can take away. And that's why we must understand that our freedom comes from solely from our dependence on God and his work. By condemning sin, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit has eternally secured our freedom. Romans chapter 8 closes with what some theologians say is one of the greatest songs of praise in the entire Bible. Because it declares that if God is for us, and who can be against us? And the only answer to that question is no one. Furthermore, Paul declares, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of the Father, who is indeed interceding 
for us. It is the great God of the universe who is interceding for us right now. As a result, the Bible declares, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded, regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But no, we have overcome by the blood of the Lord, Lamb and the word of his testimony. The trajectory of our culture today is that life is becoming more and more difficult to truly live as followers of Jesus Christ. We continue to face pressure to return to that plantation of sin. But we must stand strong. We must stand strong enough to go as sheep to be slaughtered. Strong enough that when we were knocked down by, by the world, we can rejoice in the words of that old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. Why? Because as Paul says in Romans 8:38, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, or depth, nor anything else in all of creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Death has been defeated. We are free to move on. And not only death, but life itself cannot separate us from the love of God. It's not about fame or fortune anymore. It's not about being known for our personal accomplishment. We must understand that our efforts of God are, for God are more important than the recognition that we receive from others. And then I just love how Paul closes out the list with what I call the catch-all phrase. The catch-all phrase. He says in verse 39, and ignore anything else in all of creation. And that's exactly what I need to know. Some would argue that man as a free-willed creature is able to pull himself away from God's everlasting love. I just don't believe that's the case. I believe that when Paul says all created things, he was highlighting the theological point that God is the only uncreated being. Everything else is created. That includes you. And as a created being, Paul says that no created thing can separate us from God's love. We should rejoice in this very simple yet profound truth. Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are eternally secure and his love, and his protection. Now is the time for rejoicing and celebration. What is your response to freedom? Well, I hope that as you read through Romans 8, and particularly verses 31 through 39, that you will be able to address this question that the Apostle Paul presents. What then shall we say to these things? We should be able to say that our freedom 
relies solely on the work of God. That we understand that each member of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, is at work to secure our, our freedom. And we ought to rejoice and celebrate the freedom that we have in God. And I pray that you do just that.